Try again. All right, can you hear me now? There we go. There we go. That's uh, Ben's fault. Did you ever see how he gets this kind of auto text thing to play in Discord? Uh, no, I've never had the displeasure of hearing it, but I'll take your word on it. What he does he'll, is he'll, he'll take something that I wrote and run it through this auto, auto speech thing just to be annoying. It's pretty, uh, pretty bratty. But, you know, he's like 19, so that's kind of what he does. Uh, he's not even an adult yet, actually. He is 17 years old. You're kidding me. No, that is a, uh, that is a human teenager. My God. My God, I don't know what he's doing here. <laughs> I ask the same question every now and again, man. It's crazy. Just want to make sure that my fan isn't making too much noise on your end. Um, I don't notice it. I would check the recording afterwards, but I don't notice any noise. I don't notice any background noise from you. Awesome. That's good to know. All right. So I believe you had a question. Like, our, I was going to say, you know, you had a question about a couple hours ago about Rangers and stuff, right? Yeah, but don't you should probably do introduction stuff first, right? Before we go diving into the meat, you know, we gotta candle the bread before we get into the rest of the sandwich. This is true. This is true. Um, so this is my second episode here. Uh, basically, we're a bunch of guys who hang out on the Red Scare official Discord. Um, Anna Chach and Dasha Nekrasova. It's a popular property. It's kind of taken off last year in a big way. They're becoming very wealthy women. Um, there's a lot of fans and some of the more, well, we congregate on the Discord and we talk, we have a good time. And I've been thinking about doing a podcast for a while now. And so I'm starting off by having some of the people, the good people of uh, this Discord on, wait, are you, are you going to be on video chat, by the way? Uh, I do not have a camera. Okay, so unfortunately, perfect. I cannot do video chat. No problem. no problem. That might be for the best, though, because I do use my actual human name, not like a fake name. And uh, maybe maybe it's good if I at least keep my face offline, you know, just for a little bit. No problem. No problem. Um, okay, so could I ask you how old you are? Uh, I am 20 years old. Oh, my God. You're really cool, man. You're like a really cool, cool 20-year-old, I gotta say. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, are you currently a college student? Um, I'm going to a tech school for a culinary course currently. Cool, man. I, do, do you know that I went to a culinary school? Yeah, I heard about it. I heard you. Um, I heard you stopped about midway through. Didn't really. What? What? Really feeling the work? Well, it's just that I knew that I was not going to be a career chef or anything like that, and it was a very expensive tuition fee. So I was like, uh, not worth it for me. I wasn't really learning too much. Basically, the value of that for me was get the hell. Like, this was two years after I graduated university. I had, like, no particular. I had nothing to do. I was just spending way too much time, like, on the internet in my room by myself. No friends. It's kind of, not just kind of pathetic. It was absolutely pathetic. But, you know, you're kind of finding yourself. You're figuring out. Uh... Anyway, long story short, DeBrule was a nice way to get the hell out of the house but also yeah. a rather expensive way. Yeah, that's how she goes. Debr yeah, it's usually how she right. goes to DeBrew, your local tech college? No, DeBrew is based in Pittsburgh, and they do. The, it's basically an offshoot of the, artist, the Art Institutes. That's like a big-name property, right? Or at least it was back then. 
This was in 2005. Oh, okay. I see it now. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I think they might have had some financial difficulty or something and been uh, acquired by a bigger entity. Who knows? All that neoliberal shit. Uh, so, may I ask? You're American, right? I am an American. This is correct. Uh, would it be uh, tolerable to ask you what state you're from? Uh, I have no problem answering that. Uh, I'm from Georgia. Cool. I am in the deep south. Oh, cool. Cool. I don't think there's enough like uh, interplay between the north and south, you know? Um, depends on what you mean by that. Uh, America is kind of uh, regional by design. Yeah. Just because it's kind of impossible to have a nation with a huge agrarian base and a huge industrial base be completely coherent. Yes, I hear exactly what you're saying. That's that's well put, man. By the way, that's I like that. That's good. You must have like read some interesting things in your in your day, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've done a little bit of reading, but for the most part, um, my takes just uh, are a. Uh, they're like noticed phenomenon. They're things that I have tangibly been to, experienced, and then can confirm through that information. Your eyes are your your eyes must be pretty wide open, then, man. That's cool. <laughs> I I was forced to travel a lot, and when you do that, you kind of uh you don't really get a choice. Oh, right. Okay. I follow. That's where the ranger thing comes in with Lord of the Rings. So. Yeah. uh it was a yeah. huge. It was a huge part of my father's childhood. He grew up in rural Indiana. There's absolutely nothing there except for trailer park uh, building factories and meth. And <laughs> he was reading these books, and he was really inspired by several of the characters in these su- su- stories and the Rangers. And he thought, well, they're really cool. You know, they're trail breakers, and they're doing all this great stuff. I'll do that. And uh, he joined the U.S. Armed Forces as an Airborne Ranger. Nice. Nice. And that led me to do a lot of traveling. That's what I was going to ask. That's, yeah, that's usually how it goes. I, what do they call them? Ar- army brats, right? Yeah. But uh, you don't sound too bratty, so I'm sure that doesn't apply. You know. How many different, uh, wait, so basically you grew up living on a, diff- a lot of different Air Force bases? or uh, Not um, necessarily Air Force. Uh, Rangers are SF. They're just SF that is associate that uh, use the Air Force to do their job. They're paratroopers. Oh, my God. So he's jumped yeah. out of a, he's jumped out of a few planes in his life, probably. Uh, he has told me, and I quote, that he has jumped out of so many airplanes at this point. It's kind of like jogging. It's kind of like what? Jogging. That's. I, I was going to say that's kind of cool, but actually, that's the opposite. It's becoming a bit blasé, I guess. Yeah, it's terrifying to think about. But there is something. He was a, a jump master for a couple of years, and a jump master is somebody who gets the people ready to do jump school which is where you'd learn how to jump out of planes safely and helicopter safely and all that good stuff. So he's like really upper echelon of this field, right? Uh, he got out first class. It's as high as you can get as an enlisted without any, uh, without any schooling. Sergeant oh, first class, I should say. You said he got out, so he's out of the military? Yeah, he's been out since uh, 2005. Okay. So I haven't bounced around for a little bit, but there were still a lot of informative years that I spent in other parts of the country to form opinions. I just want to point out, by the way, that uh, if if our listeners here are thinking what I'm thinking, and Keegan and uh, Keegan, Keegan Keegan's a pretty cool guy, um, I want to point out. I think that's got something to do with the fact that he wasn't raised in a particularly uh, scholastic, uh, literary, 
upper crust snobby environment because in the mili- in the military you got to do what what works or else you get fucking killed and there's no there's not a lot, not a lot of room for bullshit you know well, yeah, but I never lived overseas or anything. The closest I've been, like outside the continental U.S., is Alaska. I lived in Anchorage for a little bit, but but I was thinking, like your your father's experiences in the military teach him like what's bullshit and what's not, and he's probably passed some of that on to you. That's why you're kind of clear headed, clear headed, perhaps. There's a, there's a level to that, sure. You like, uh you you learn a lot about casual cruelty in the U.S. Armed Forces. Oh my god! Like especially a tangential experience. It's a, it is crazy how much uh, casual disdain and disgust for the average uh, American citizen they will house in those environments. I mean, for God's sake, though, it's mostly justified, wouldn't you say? No, not at all. No, I, okay. I hold my common man in very high regard. That's what makes me, in my opinion, a good socialist and like a good leftist. Is that. I assume the average person has good intentions at heart and is usually speaking pretty knowledgeable in their field. Sure, sure. Yeah, I hear you. Um, Wait, do you listen to Red Scare podcast? I do. I don't agree with a lot of their takes, but it's still entertaining. I mean, a lot of what they do is kind of dissecting the most ludicrous and mentally retarded aspects of American culture, right? Yeah, uh, I like it when they take down shit libs and their takes on corporatism is pretty solid. Yeah, like those those are the kind of fools I'm talking about that your maybe your all your army colleagues would have contempt for, you know? Oh, they had contempt for everybody. Uh, it had- was it was not a it was not a uh, the uh, the elites versus us mentality. It was us versus the rest of the United States of America sort of deal. Yeah, I'm sure some of that is kind of kind of vanity, right? You know. Yeah, the the culture on the culture on these bases is uh, like machismo turned up to eleven. Is how I've always uh, described it. Uh, what I would say to that is often machismo is like it's a compens- compen- it compensates for your internal fear and weakness and timidity, but you have to kind of double down and keep showing how tough you are because inside it's a, you're a bit of a a coward, perhaps. Well, in their defense, I would be pretty cowardly if I knew I'd be a trigger puller in Iraq at some point in my like adult life, you know? I hear you, man. I would probably fall into machismo pretty quick, too, if I were in their situation. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Although there's another, there's like another way to conduct yourself. There's like, just speak the truth. <laughs> don't, don't overstate it, you know? Yeah, I um I don't think people can embrace like American stoicism anymore though. Like Jeffersonian take the great expanse, uh take it with a stiff upper lip and a tough chin. You have to be boisterous. There's a certain level that has to exist now due to the interconnectivity of the world because you're seen constantly. Well, speaking of like uh American forefathers and so on, um how do you feel about Teddy Roosevelt? Uh, I love the Tedster. I think Ted is uh, awesome. He's probably one of the two presidents that I can actually say unironically were good presidents. I, I could not agree with you more. Like the more you read about his uh, personality and his zeal and his like kind of yeah like boisterousness, you realize like, he's a lovable, lovable character. You know? Yeah, he does not strike me as somebody who has machismo to hide anything. He strikes me as somebody who is the way he is. Because exactly. he is just inherently loud and all the yeah, stuff that like, goes into that. 
like he knows what Labnus can do for you when properly applied, I guess. Yeah, he has a level head and a level hand, and that's the important part. The second part's what really matters, is the level hand. Yeah, 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 for sure. Wow, I really like the way this conversation's gone so far. It's it's good stuff. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I was going to ask you about the influence Lord of the Rings had on you, because I know like your online personality is you know personified by a Lord of the Rings uh, character. Yeah, or at least you, met, you. Yeah, you put his. You you claim his face. Well, yeah, I just love. I, I really love like in the books. My favorite character was like uh, his brother Faramir, who was like the closest representation of Tolkien's voice himself. But, but once you get to Peter Jackson's trilogy. Um, Sean Bean is such a charismatic, adorable, flawed, interesting, passionate guy that he quickly became my favorite um, character in the whole you know universe of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, like I just love how uh, how passionate he is. Basically, like um, yeah. Sean Bean is an Aries pig, and those guys have a lot of verve and they just wear their heart in their sleeves it's just adorable people uh elton john is one one of those two and for anybody who likes the nhl so is Ilya kovalchuk uh russian superstar uh you're probably not a big fan of the nhl if you live in georgia right um i've i lived in alaska for a little bit too so i've seen a little bit of hockey but it's not a, it's not my favorite sport or anything you like the uh, NFL, perhaps, or baseball? Um, I like I like some college ball, but for the most part, I'm more of a uh, I'm more of like an outdoorsman type. I like that sort of sport. Cool, cool. Do you go for hikes uh, once in a while? I do. I also go hunting every now and again. I uh, oh. I try and live as sustainable a life as possible without having to interact with the late stage capitalist hellhole that we exist in. Man, you get you you become like a more and more interesting character every uh, every minute here. You're a hunter. Um, not it, it's not like sub, it's not substance hunting. It's whenever I get a chance, I like to go out and you know live how man was intended to, at least as far as I can think. Okay, so um, how long are you spending in the bush? Um, I think the longest I've been out is two or three days. Okay. Um, do you bring a tent? Yeah. Yeah, and I've, what was that? Uh, probably a hunting blind. Yeah, uh, you spend a lot of time in uh, in like little deer perches. I yeah. cla- crawled up trees a couple times and just sat there for hours. But mostly, what uh, mostly you deal with where I'm at specifically is boar. Oh, boars! Yeah, Ooh. I imagine those could get maybe not necessarily but could get pretty tasty. Uh, so the way you're supposed to do boar is you're supposed to neuter them and let them run wild just a little bit more because it gets the worst of the game out and it lets them build up those fat deposits that we all like in pork so much. Yes, yes. So you take this really stringy meat and it, uh, you, know, you can make it actually very flavorful and remove some of the worst of the game and it makes these really solid servings of haunch. So basically you're factoring out most of the testosterone, right? Yeah, and it's a uh, it's such a active community down here that they almost have a uh, you can hunt boar all year in Georgia. So there is of, no off season. Is there some kind of level of uh, animal husbandry going on there? 
Um, I would, yeah, I mean, I guess I raise chickens and I have a garden, but for the most part, it's just, uh, you know, the hunting is just every now and again, I want to, I want to feast. I want to be like an ancient king, you know, I want to kill them with my own bare hands and then eat it. But if you're, if you are, um, neutering the pig, the, the, the boars and letting them run free, uh, how is it that they were in your captivity in the first place? Well, so, you know, pigs are not native to America. The Spanish brought them over, and pigs thrive anywhere you put them. I did not know that. Yeah. All right, well, there you go. Pigs are not native to, to the Americas, and the Spanish brought them over, and they spread like wildfire. And, and there's it... so many wild pigs yeah. in America that there are so many states that literally will all but pay you to kill them. Yeah, like that uh, meme with the uh, 30 to 40 feral hogs or whatever. Yeah, uh, that there's a there's a grain of truth in that. There are so many uh, wild boar that run rampant in huge parts of the country, and they can be pretty aggressive, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, there are farmers who will pay you to just go on their property. They'll have like huge acres upon acres upon acres, and they'll pay you to get in one of those little buggies and just ride around with like their dogs and kill the boars for them. That's kind of like a bounty hunter. Kind of, that's kind of fun, right? Um, I've never done it, but uh, from what I've had people tell me, it's not uh, its not the greatest gig in the world. It's really It gets really hot really fast here. Oh, right. Okay. Probably it's probably green 10 out of the 12 months of the year. It's like a humid heat too, right? Yeah, it can get to the uh, high 90s, uh, low to mid, like low 100s uh, in a summer. And the uh, um, humidity is probably, you know, like 90% or so. 80%. 80, 90% yeah. up there. That's, yeah, that's not particularly fun, is it? Uh, no, it's not. Do you cope with stuff like um, iced tea and lemonade and such? Yeah, uh, water. Water's water. great. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Um, do you like the uh, quality of water where you live? Um, yeah, for the most part. There's an iron, there's like an iron taste, but that's kind of how I, uh, how I know it's been through the process, if that makes any sense, because it's not groundwater, usually. I live pretty close to the coast. Oh, okay, okay. I think, yeah, I think we might have talked a little bit where he lived before. Um, uh, yeah, never mind, I won't, I won't get into that, but, um, what was I going to say? Um, okay, yeah. I think I'm done on that topic, so where were we? Hunting. Uh, how many um, deers do you think you've taken in your, your time? Uh, in my life, I've only gotten about eight. Okay, and how many boars? A bit more than eight. Uh, right. boars, uh, with boars, a lot of the time, you don't even... You don't, I, I haven't even eaten a ton of them. Uh, I've <laughs> probably gotten about... 27 boars and i've probably only eaten about five of them uh how old were you when you f- made your first you know kill i was about 12 okay and you probably your father probably took you out right uh yeah me him and my uh eldest brother oh cool yeah um how many siblings do you have i have two siblings both of which are older brothers only one of them i grew up with now, it's inevitable with brothers that there's some, you know, back and forth conflict and such, but would you say overall you get along with them? Uh, yeah, I get along great with my, uh, with my brothers, actually. I, I don't know if this is really that surprising for anybody who's active on the Red Scare server at all. I just get along with people for the most part. I don't really have people who uh, I don't find a way to mesh with in some capacity. Yeah. Uh, this might be a little too personal, but uh, is there a mother in the household? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. That, that always helps. Keep people yeah. calm. 
Yeah. Uh, well, no. no, no, she does not. No, she does not. Uh, that is uh, that has fallen onto the almost uh, stoic shoulders of, of the uh, of the paternal figure in the house. Okay. Okay. He uh, and neither neither of them are particularly good at keeping their cool. To be clear, okay. that stoicism is very forced and not very good. Oh, so he's basically keeping his lid on, but underneath there's a bit of chaos. Uh, yeah, they bicker a lot. I can right. only assume that something in their marriage is better, and I don't want to say that out loud because I don't want to think about my parents in that way. No, no, I understand. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like you respect your father a decent amount, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I wish, I wish, I wish I had a father like that. My God. Well, I mean, you get what you, you get, what you get, but I'm sure your dad works hard, and I'm sure he provides, right? Well, he provides, but there's. There's a certain uh, element of humanity that's often lacking with him, but you're right. You, you, you know, you gotta do the best you can. You know, yeah, I mean, your, all, your... all humans are fallible. Oh yes. Um, I feel I've said this a few times before, and I hope people aren't getting too tired of hearing it. But um, we used to have leaded gasoline in in pretty much every car in the world, and it wasn't until the '70s that um, they figured that out. And there was a, a great deal of battle. Like people did not want to stop selling lead of gasoline. Yeah, like they are complete maniacs, and lead is a, a potent neurotoxin. And I feel like people of my father's generation, growing up in urban environments, especially, they breathed in so much lead, it's kind of fucked them up irreparably. And that might have something to do with um, the disconnect between the boomers and Generation whatever Z. Gen and Gen Zers, millennials, basically. I would be, I would be Gen Z. Uh, that's the newest one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I mean, I'm yeah. sure you're quite aware of how much uh, contempt there is between those two camps, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I I share it for the most part. Um, I don't despise any group. I don't despise any person individually as much as I despise the greater uh, group that they are attached to. Yeah, like there is a not- level of entitlement that boomers have developed by being probably the most well-off generation in human history and have completely and utterly squandered it for everybody after them. Yeah, and mostly for the sake of vanity. Like, it didn't, it didn't have to be this way. Yeah, it was for momentary pleasure. It wasn't even for, like, a permanent, I want my kids to succeed. It's, fuck it, I got mine, which is probably the most American thing I've ever said in my life. Yeah, down, it- to a, uh, down to a T. Yeah, although I will say this whole COVID situation maybe has brought people a little more awareness of what really matters, you know? Yeah, uh, there's been a little bit more, uh, a little more humble action as of late, and that always uh, raises my spirits. Yes, yes, exactly. Well said. Yeah. Let's see, what are we at now in terms of time? Oh, sh- oh no. I've been going for about 30 minutes or so. Oh, no, oh, no. I forgot to start the video chat. Uh, video recorder. Oh well, I'll just get it going now. Yeah. Uh, just be it's, an audio, it's an audio medium. It's an audio medium. I like to have a, a secondary um, feed on Patreon with the uh, video. Yeah, I get that. Um, I wanted to ask you a question about a take that uh, you had on me once. Oh, never mind. It was recording the whole time. Anyway, yes, go ahead. Uh, you said that you felt the uh, 
or that you you felt there was a uh, I'm not even gonna say a chance. You basically said no uncertain terms. There was a uh, there's a level of deceit that was active in my uh, like in my in my warmth and the kindness I try and show others. Okay, uh, about how long ago did I say this? Uh, it wasn't. It probably not even a week. Maybe like five or six days. Okay. And um, do you think this has got under your skin a little bit because it's a complete misunderstanding of who you are or because there's actually uh, an element, element of uh, truth? The former. The former. Okay. Uh, okay. I can go into a whole spiel if you want, but it's not, it's a, it's a fairly private, fairly intimate thing. It's not that I necessarily mind sharing as much as it is that, ah, whatever, who cares? I'll do so. Uh, there was an event when I was about 13 or so yeah i'm pulling up the uh, source for you now okay oh wait is this is this something that didn't happen to you uh this is something that happened in my life okay okay cool this sounds interesting this is a uh, local news you can read that headline out loud if you want i understand if you don't want to it is very tragic very very which tragic okay here we go uh I believe I'm recording my screen now, so this might be appearing on video. Savannah mother mourns daughter's death, decries bullying, gossip on children. Uh, um, she was in eighth grade, and she committed suicide. Uh, that, please tell me that wasn't your sister. No. Uh, it was a person I've grown up with my whole life who I was decently close to and yeah. who I couldn't communicate with properly. And that crushed me. Because I was very socially inept, I was awkward, I could not give people the comfort that I know they needed. Well, I'm glad to hear you'd recognize that now. I mean, it's, it's hard that when you're like, how old were you at the time? I was 13. I was in middle school. I mean, it's, it's not easy when you're 13 to know what to say, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, I just, I couldn't talk to her, and it was obvious she was all but screaming for help. So were people bullying her because of her weight or her looks or all or both or what? Uh, she was just a target. She was her? somebody who was she was a, she was an easy mark, you know. She reacted very openly. People get a kick out of that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not so fun. No, but there was a post to this. There was no bullying issue in my class, like the class of 2020 and all the schools we were in. There was not a bullying issue in that class anymore. Yeah, because finally people are realizing what the damage it does. Yeah, they realized their actions had consequences. And uh, the schools think it was their no bullying policy, but it was the tragic, tragic uh, stopping of existence of a, uh, of a human life so young that really uh, shook it down. This probably isn't the time or place to get into my beef with people using tragic on a personal level. I, I like to see it used in like a historical world context, but um, that's neither here nor there. We'll, we'll, we'll move on to something else, or at least not talk about that in particular. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. No, you, no, I'm sure you had an actual point. I was just going to try and pull something out of my ass. That's uh, something that Slavoj Zizek and Nietzsche and me all believe in, that um, tragedy should be used in, like, um, are you familiar with the Battle of Thermopylae? Uh, yes. Like, if basically if Xerxes and his Persians had broken through and fucked up Athens and destroyed the, the cradle of Western civilization, that would be 
of the magnitude that I'm talking about when we're talking about. All right, sure, but uh, there's a there's a very easy counterpoint to make to that, okay, which is what is what is not tragic about a, a a child, a human child, determining that their life was no longer worth living. Here's the thing, though. That's tragedy. Here's the thing. I think when we get that melodramatic with the language, I think that basically kicks the can down the road and allows further incidents like this to occur. When we tell this kind of grand narrative about how much this person's life was worth and how... Well, the human life is priceless. That's what makes it so tragic, is that the human snuffed out their existence with limitless potential ahead of them. I agree, but obviously the bullying people did not see it that way. That's that's sort of... uh, They were 13-year-old kids. That's... well, I don't like to give people too much of a pass on that because what tends to happen is that a, a child will absorb the kind of ethics and morals of their parents. And so if you want to have civilized children, you need to sort of recognize where the rot comes from and get quite serious about that sort of thing. Sure, sure, I agree, but that's why I'm not going to look at a bunch of 13-year-old children and personally hold them accountable because somebody committed suicide because of their actions, admittedly, but still, they're kids. Objectively, there's no way they could have any idea the impact of which their actions can have. Except after, when it's too late, of course. Exactly, that's the problem, is you can't... There is, uh, in the American legal system, there is an attachment to basically every... uh, every case about uh, motive and whether or not this is premeditated and everything else has attached. Yeah. And uh, that's like, so you can, there is a legal definition of tragedy and this yeah. is constituted legally as a tragedy. Wow. That's, that's fascinating. Okay. And there's uh, obviously, I think there's a moral tragedy here as well. Whether or not you agree with that is irrelevant. Legally yeah, yeah. speaking, this is literally a tragedy and it is so, <laughs> Yeah. Distinctly, it's so it so fits the exact definition that they pick. I feel like it might be better to call it like an outrage. Well, you... I here's the thing, right? An outrage suggests that there has to be a severe action taken in response. No, well, no, well, that's tempting. Yes, I I, I see your point. Uh, I think it behooves us to recognize the kind of viciousness and cruelty that's in, implicit in this, sorts of, in this sort of behavior. But when people are cruel and vicious, it's almost always because somebody has been vicious and, and cruel to them. Sure, I also blame capital, because capital makes such a deliberate, hierarchical, uh, strong... It's basically all... It's all but might makes right, where might is money. So she was kind of lower class. She lived in a trailer park for a little bit. Yeah, I was she, thinking... She was just, she, she was the neck, you know, she was the person that people went out of their way to, you know, torture essentially for their own entertainment and amusement. I think what that represents is their fear of falling to that level and they want to externalize that possibility onto this person and make it a part of their essential character, like a scapegoat and say, this person is this poor tra- white trash is so beneath us precisely because they know deep down in their hearts that that could be them in a different set of circumstances. Yeah, well, I mean, there's that too, but they're, 
they're kids and kids really do fall into the very simple in-group out-group mentality and you're absolutely the way right. you yeah. generate in-groups with children is usually you dress similar you act similar uh yeah. you have the same toys yeah it's more like implicit well these things i'm saying are kind of like not these are they would it's, never a, have. it's an undertone like obviously yeah, kids don't understand classism but they understand their classmate smells kind of yeah. stinky yeah and their 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 sandwiches are pretty pretty sad at lunch and so on. Yeah, they get the free lunch. They get all the negatives that are attached to that. It's yeah, they 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 don't they they can't literally be classist because their brain doesn't even develop the process to be classist. But they see this person as being having a a, a lesser life than them than them, and you know they're right, and that produces anxiety. That oh my god, uh, what if I what if that was me? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a part of it. I'm not going to pretend like it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did we have anything else on the agenda we wanted to go over? Uh, that could probably do it for now. Um, I mean, if you want to keep going, I'm you technically have 10 more minutes, and I can easily divulge 10 minutes of information on a lot of topics. Oh, okay, that's a, that's a very well, that's a very good way of putting it. Like, uh, you got my brain for 10 minutes, make them count, Chris. Um, I was gonna say, I, I just want to check, are you on desktop or phone right now? Uh, I'm on my desktop. Okay, so you can, you can see me, right? I can. Okay, cool. Hmm. Do you one day expect that you will leave Georgia? Uh, yeah, probably. That's a kind of inevitable, to be honest with you. And why is that? Um, you know, you you. I think that there is one great thing in the American tradition, and it is leaving your hometown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what city or region beckons to you spiritually? I'm thinking Oregon. It's very similar in climate, and uh, I can apply a lot of the skills I've learned here there. I love Oregon. I like the country, the coast, and I love Portland. Great state. Definitely. Yeah. Good, love, good the drugs and, uh, love the drugs in Oregon, I have to tell you. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's your uh, drug, of tr- drug of choice these days? Uh, I love LSD. Yeah. Is that... Um, yeah, yeah. It's acid. Yeah, yeah. I was reading about how psilocybin has effects which are similar to LSD. Uh, yeah, they're both hallucinogens, but uh, LSD is kind of unique in the fact that it opens up those old brainways that you haven't used since you were like a, a little, little lad. Yeah. Like we're talking uh, single digits, probably younger single digits at that. And you Very... kind of get to experience things for the first time again is the best way I can put it. That sounds pretty nice, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's no chemical addiction, but it is almost entirely psychological. So it's very easy to, you know, be, have be like an acid head and burn your brain to paste because you constantly use these old brain these old brain canals because there's a shit ton of serotonin that is released the second you take LSD. Now, do LSD users ever feel like um, I've had enough? I'm gonna stop using, or that they mostly use this for their whole lives? I don't know. Um, the thing is, you can't use it. You can't use it all the time. The effects no. are comically diminished. It takes about three weeks after the uh, after use for your body to have that resilience pushed through it, so you can actually experience the high again. That's like a good. Um, that's like a good system, you know. Yeah, it's a built. It's your body's built in. Uh, you can only enjoy this so much. Uh, so much mechanism. It's kind of a uh, very, uh, very solid. 
would you say that that kind of like uses up most of your dopamine or not, 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 not really? Uh, I'm usually content for several days after, after like uh, 200 UGs of LSD. That's about two taps worth. Okay. Maybe your, your, your receptors to. They get a little dulled, but everything is kind of mellow. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, is it a affordable drug, would you say, or is it a bit pricey? Uh, it's affordable in the sense you can't use it all the time. I'll put it that way. Yeah, it so probably comes out to about the same as if you buy like uh, you buy enough weed to make like two or three blunts, or like four even in a week. Okay, so it's got a couple of nice self-limiting mechanisms built into. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like weed plus. It's like uh, oh. it's like the ex- the logical extension of a. Uh, of like THC and a C, uh, whatever the fuck it is, uh, the other one, the other the other chemical component that's in weed that gives you like a body high. Uh, yeah, I'm not a not an expert. Yeah, but I know I know I know I know I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess I suppose you must have a dealer, right? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, used to be used to get it through the dark web, but uh, the, the the two big websites were knocked down super hard in 2016, and it's been uh, not smart to use that since. So they busted the first website, and the second website was set up as like a honeypot. So uh, okay. you, you caught wind of that quick, or you were busted for buying illegal narcotics with the correct purpose to either sell or use. I guess basically what the U.S. government is after is a cut of the profits, based in the end, right? Yeah, you think they'd be smart about it and uh, legalized, but rather than that, they'd rather put their uh, drug hounds on everything with express purpose to, uh, I guess, ruin people's lives. They don't, yeah, they don't want you to have too much fun, you know? It's just that puritanical bullshit. Yeah, there is a certain level of uh, puritan ethos that exists, especially, like, in the elite garnered East Coast. Like up in upstate New York region and all of New England and slowly creeping down into Virginia. I wonder if some of that has to do with they're so comfortable in their wealth and opulence, like materially with their nice houses and cars and furniture and clothing, that the idea that these these people who haven't uh, don't have the, the the same resources they do. It probably bugs them that you could have a great time in your life with some simple LSD. Well, in order for yeah, them to have a good chemicals on a piece of paper. Well, in order for them to have a good life, they have to spend you know one hundred and twenty thousand dollars on a new car. Yeah, uh, I think there's a level of that too. I think there's a jealousy. I also think there is a, uh, you know, uh, I don't know about Canada, but I know about America, and America is really big on its Bible. And uh, I wish you know, so. there's a certain level of uh, holier than thou. You need that to enjoy yourself that is attached to even like drinking in parts of this country. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, they're not entirely wrong with that, but they take it way too far, right? Yeah. So uh, in my town, just as an example, there are about 24 churches. There's not a single bar. That sounds a lot like um, you probably saw a True Detective season one, right? I've, uh, I've watched a little bit of it, not a ton. Yeah. It kind of vividly shows the kind of backwards, small-minded, provincial mentality of of uh, these churches down south, and it's uh, yeah. How many? Then most of them aren't even different denominations. It's just a different dude has discerned. Well, I want to preach. Yeah, I mean, it's good that it provides a sense of community, but these preachers are kind of grifters, right? They, they're it's, they're very 
I don't even know if I say it would uh, provide community because it's so split, right? Like in my small town with not even 3,000 people in it, there's over 24 churches just in like two or three neighborhoods. That's crazy. That's not that's not building community. That's dividing it. Well, maybe it's just a, a matter of pure pragmatics that like people don't want to go to go too far to church, you know. Yeah, I guess. Still seems silly to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you we have to judge on a case by case basis, of course. Yeah. But if yeah, if the, if the preacher is not very good, then people are gonna not gonna show up so much. So I guess they must they must be getting something out of it. Yeah, uh, peace of mind. I mean, these people are, you know, they're these are the type of people who are very eschewed in tradition. They're the type of people that I think uh, two or three generations into a uh, proletarian revolution would probably be wholeheartedly adamant supporters of like red thought. Okay, interesting. Very interesting. Because they're so, you know, they're so traditional, and tradition has to be formed over time. But once that tradition's gone. You gotta move on to the next one. Yeah, this is true. This is true. So I guess you are you got work to do at, at um in three minutes, right? Um, I don't have work. We can keep going for a little bit. It's just uh, this is one of the few days off I have, and I have a little bit of chores to do, but not a ton. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna scour my brain for ten seconds here to see what I can think of. Yeah, I think I might be about done unless you have something else you want to talk about. Uh, I think we've covered a lot of solid ground. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. I'll just check what's the uh, time now. Uh, 45 minutes, just like the last one with, um, what's his name, Chief from yeah. Missouri. Interesting guy, Chief. I've talked to him a couple times. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. He's a good guy too. Don't you get the feeling that... that um, I don't know about you, but I didn't. I didn't really have much of a good sense of community online until Red Scare came along. Did you feel the same at all? Well, I grew up online. Like I am, I'm a part of the generation that literally had their entire lives posted on the internet, pretty much yeah. from like as early back as I can remember to now. So it's it's very easy for me to find a sense of community. Is kind of what I'm getting at. Basically, you've, you've, you, you know, you have always known people online that you have like meaningful relationships with. Yeah, absolutely. Like people you respect, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been, my website of choice most of the last decade has been Reddit, and it could be pretty hard to find uh, intelligent discussion on there. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's social media, you know? Social media is, uh, it's built for quippy one liners, it's not built for like deep thought in any capacity. Yeah, although I do feel like, do you, do you go to Red Scare Pod, the subreddit? I'm on there sometimes. Like sometimes, some weeks it's a bit, uh, uh, you know, frivolous and so on. But other times, there's actually really interesting discussions, and I feel that's that's really cool, you know. Yeah. Uh, usually, I admit I'm on 4chan, just uh, looking for oh. ways to feel better about me specifically, because I think if I'm at least not as bad as this person posting on 4chan, I can improve. <laughs> Oh, okay. I, I follow. Yeah, yeah. Chief, Chief told me about 4chan in our first episode too. Like, I, I'm not sure I've ever been to that website, but obviously it's extremely popular. Uh, yeah, 4chan is a huge anonymous, uh, and not like anonymous to the point where you can't even make a username. Uh, like image board where you post constantly in different uh, areas based on your interests. So that's why that little meme you may have seen. Hey, Anon. Uh, did you see that one? 
Yeah, the, the hey Anon meme is just taking a uh, is like taking a green text from 4chan. Okay, okay. But did you see the uh, the pornified version of that? It was posted on the sub. Uh, um, no. Okay. I may have, <laughs> but I I gotta be honest with you. My memory is pretty spotty. I spend uh, I I spend I spend a little too much time on the internet. It was pretty amusing. Anyway. Um, all right. I think we'll wrap it up now. Sounds good. Been a pleasure. All right. Thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, man. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Goodbye.